and welcome to our weekly ICT4D conference podcast. My name is Sonia Ritzel from CRS and I'm interviewing experts for you to talk about digital development trends, innovations and good practice. Today, it's my pleasure to interview Sebastian Manhart at Zinprints. Sebastian, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm the Chief Partnerships Officer at Simprints. We are a non-profit technology company with a mission to radically increase transparency and effectiveness in global development. I'm also a privacy advocate and sit on the Ethics and Risk Committee of ID2020. And really, my passion is how we can leverage cutting-edge technology ethically and responsibly to drive development outcomes. Thank you, Sebastian. In last week's podcast, we heard about emerging trends in global health. And so we thought we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this topic. And there have been so many huge developments in applying digital innovations this year to support the global COVID response, as well as communities and community health workers at a distance. Sebastian, what kind of trends have you seen through your work at Simprints? Yeah, great question. And um, I really enjoyed, by the way, last week's podcast with Bobby. Uh, he has recently joined Simprints Advisory Board as well. So yeah, a lot of relevant experience that I think both you and us have been enjoying. The main trends, maybe three that I'd like to pull out just from our broader perspective, which is really around the role of cash, the demand for verification in our sector, and finally privacy and the momentum that's building behind it. So on cash, social protection is absolutely critical in these times, as we all know, and uh, making sure that the people who are most vulnerable are protected first and foremost by, for the consequences of COVID is critical. And what we've seen here is a, essentially a booming industry, which is the cash and voucher assistance industry, just getting even more momentum. And a lot of this has now gone remote. So we've seen that there's a, there are a lot of investments in digital infrastructure when it comes to the transfer of mobile money. And some countries that had already set that up, like India, were able to react really quickly. But even other countries, especially in East Africa and the African Horn, we're now seeing moving quite rapidly to digital money transfers, which is very exciting, will hopefully help for years to come. The second one is related, but goes beyond cash, which is the demand for verification. We've seen eight budgets. We're already on the, you know, on the political chopping block in the last couple of years, and there's increased scrutiny on every penny that is spent anywhere in the world on aid. And from our perspective, COVID has just increased this pressure. So there's even more pressure on governments to really be able to demonstrate where their money is going. And the remoteness makes traditional meal approaches more, more expensive, more difficult. And so while they might welcome, for example, a lot of digital money being transferred, they will want to couple it very often with increased verification. And so we've seen an, a demand for better service delivery verification, including biometrics, but not limited to it, which can help us keep track of these increasingly remote service delivery programs. And the final one is around privacy. So this is obviously an overarching theme that I'm very passionate about personally, but I see a lot of momentum finally building. And, and ironically, it often takes a personal experience for this to really hit home. So if you think about it, the first momentum increase we saw was when Cambridge Analytica happened. Suddenly, all of us in the sector could relate to this. And we were like, oh, privacy is actually important. And we moved from lip service to actual privacy-focused work. And now COVID, even more so, you know, we're all probably using test and trace apps. We're all suddenly giving up a lot of our privacy. And I've seen this translating into the way that these digital technologies are being adopted in the sector with a, a more significant focus on privacy, which is very, very good. Thank you, Sebastian. 
So are there any innovations or initiatives that you are particularly excited about and why? In terms of an innovation that I'd like to pull out, it's COVID vaccine distribution. So just for those who might be less familiar with vaccine distribution in general, vaccine wastage is a huge issue. Like it's not uncommon to see 20, 30, sometimes 50% of vaccines not reaching the right person. And this is not just a financial disaster. This is also, if you think from an impact perspective, if a measles vaccine has reached half the population it should have, but you might think it has reached the full population, that's massive. And with COVID, frankly, we just cannot afford that. The vaccine is going to be such a price commodity, so critical. And we're really excited by the innovations, especially spearheaded by one of our strategic partners, Gavi, to ensure that every single COVID vaccine reaches the right person. And we're very excited to be part of that tech stack. But there's a number of players who are working with Gavi on that. And yeah, watch that space. Thank you. Yes, uh, very strong points you made. And I imagine vaccine wastage will be a big topic. You mentioned biometrics. So when I think about biometrics, I'm thinking like fingerprints as ID, which is obviously not amazing during times where we should um, go into physical distancing. And so I read that Simprints and your your colleagues are um, very much looking in, into this and developing touchless ID systems. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how you are adapting your innovations and your services as part of the pandemic and the, the consequences? Yeah, definitely happy to. And maybe taking a step back for those who might be a little bit less familiar, um, Simprints uses three key data points to verify if a service has actually been delivered. Timestamps, geolocation, and what we're probably most famous for, biometrics. And in theory, our system is completely agnostic to the type of biometric input used. So you could use ear, face, palm, whatever it is. But in practice, we've been using fingerprints for years as it gives you the best range of accuracy, value for money, social acceptability, and so on. However, with COVID, as you correctly mentioned, Sonia, um, touch-based fingerprint biometrics suddenly became a potential vector for transmission. So as such, all our programs were temporarily halted, and rightly so. But luckily, we had been developing a contactless modality, face for now, likely palm in the future. And that work had started 18 months earlier, and we'd already been field testing it in East Africa. So when COVID hit, we were able to pivot quite quickly, uh, change the, just the biometric input, and launch our contactless system swiftly. And uh, this system can be deployed at a distance of over one meter, which is critical to keep both the health workers safe, but also the beneficiaries, while taking advantage of the entire powerful privacy-centered end-to-end system that we had, just like we did for fingerprints. We've been quite lucky on this one, I have to admit, but it's been a very important pivot because otherwise, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to just keep up with the demand and yeah, what we need to do to deliver, to deliver impact in the field. Well, you call it luck. I call it maybe amazing foresight, not of the pandemic, but of the need for having different solutions, I would say. Are there also any other steps you or your team have taken to adapt um, your innovations or services to new COVID-related information or support? Yeah, maybe. I mean, as any business, <laughs> this has changed everything, right? But maybe just to pull out two key other measures, localization and remote deployments. So on the localization front, we already had two country offices in Bangladesh and Ethiopia, but these are now really driving our work in South Asia and East Africa. And we've just signed off a strategy for 2021 and beyond, and it puts country offices and local staff at the very heart. Um, and this is good news, right, on many, many fronts. 
The second one is with the contactless modality, we now no longer need to ship physical hardware. Again, sounds like a small thing, but trust me, this is like logistically huge and makes a massive difference. So now building on this, we have gained a ton of flexibility in being, being able to deploy and also train remotely with no boots on the ground. So these two differences in terms of you know, the remote deployments and the localization have quite significantly altered our service offering, but it's yeah, in these times, it's critical. Thank you. Localization, definitely a huge topic and um, something we're left to hear more about. That kind of brings me to my nearly last question around the multi-sectoral approach and partnerships. So you already mentioned sort of the different hubs in different um, regions. And I know uh, Simprints has a very multi-sectoral approach and you have a lot of partners. Maybe you'd like to share a little bit some thoughts on how um, INGOs could better collaborate with the tech sector. I'm going to take this sort of specifically from an angle of biometrics, ID, digital ID, because I think there's a quite interesting dimension there. You know, we've taken a various different approaches over the years, uh, single sector, multi-sectoral, but we've always come back to multi-sectoral. And if you think about it, it just makes sense because biometrics are part of a digital infrastructure. And this is, I think, a really important concept that I'd like to, to build on that should power any development program. You know, it's no different to internet or more recently mobile phones. It's this foundation on which then a number of programs and NGOs can plug in and take advantage of. And the economies of scale of that approach are huge. The other exciting aspect about taking this type of approach is that biometrics can be the missing link to program interoperability that frankly our sector so desperately needs, especially given the three to five year project-based cycles that we all work with. So once a biometric digital ID has been created for an individual, you can link any number of services over time reliably back to the same individual. And now when I'm linking it back to sort of what NGOs could do, you know, I fully understand that funding flows and incentive structures do not work in favor of INGO collaboration. But I do have hope that we, we're entering a new age where hopefully funders and governments will finance the digital infrastructure that I just spoke about needed in a country. And then NGOs can all plug into this interoperable system and be assessed, paid and based on outcomes, not outputs. And call me idealistic, but in our work, we see the first signs of this work. And I think that would completely change the way that the tech sector and the NGO sector collaborate. And it would frankly lead to much better outcomes. Thank you. I love your positive outlook and also your, I guess, call for action for collaboration that we totally agree with and couldn't, yeah, couldn't emphasize it more. Do you have any uh, last comments you'd like to make? Yeah, I mean, maybe two quick things. Uh, one is just a, a quick plug. We are hosting a webinar on November 24th at 3 p.m. GMT on the ethics of biometrics and global development. Mm -hmm. um, we have an amazing panel of experts lined up, and it's a very thorny and critical question. So would love as many of your listeners as possible to engage with this debate. And coming back to the, sort of the, the original question about where this is heading, as I said earlier, COVID is fundamentally changing the sector. I think this is no news to anyone. And digital tools can be an outstanding way to deal with some of the challenges we're facing. However, I see the urgency and pressures that are building up as often potentially clouding our judgment. And the biggest pressure, the biggest concern that I see is that we deploy tools that are not built for purpose, that are not interoperable, and critically, that are not ethical and privacy-centric, because frankly, we're in a hurry. 
I want to point all the, the NGO sector and every, all the funders to not just Simplins. There's a ton of great tech companies out there that are building not just great products, but going about that in an ethical way. So it's a strong encouragement not to take shortcuts and to really choose to work with these organizations as we enter this next phase of COVID. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very strong point. Putting ethics at the center of innovation. I love it. And um, something I think we talked about a lot about this year. And I'm glad to see that there is more, more action coming as well. Definitely. Thank, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. It was a pleasure talking with you. It was all my pleasure. Thank you, Sonia. More information about our upcoming podcasts and webinars can be found on our website, ict3dconference.org. Hope you will join us again next week.